0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد ومن لم يجعل الله له نورا فما له من نور وقال ابن أطاء الله الإسكندري كيف يشرق قلب وصور الأكوال منطبيعة في مرآته الله سبحانه وتعالى says in the Quran that whoever Allah سبحانه وتعالى doesn't place any nur for, any light for then there is no light for that person this is a very general statement that although allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he says in the quran Allahu samawati wal allah is the the nur of the heavens and the earth that is the literal translation many of the mufassirin have explained that to mean Allah samawati wal ard if somebody is the light then clearly there's no point having a light that doesn't go anywhere the light means it's to shine allah is manifest everywhere just like his 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 power His majesty, His beauty is manifest everywhere, His light is manifest everywhere. So, essentially what it means is that Allah is the illuminator as well. He is the nur and He is the illuminator. There's many ahadhis which speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala veiled by 70 uh, veils of nur, etc, etc. The point we're trying to make is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places nur. So what is the external light that we see by which we actually see what things are in this world? That's the first light which everybody shares in, whether a person is a believer or, an, or a disbeliever. Then, of course, there's the light which shows you the right way, which shows you the basic right way, which is the Iman. Alhamdulillah, we've been blessed with that as Muslims. We've been shown the right way. So we have that additional level of noor already. Alhamdulillah. Now, the, uh, beyond that, there's an increase of the noor and that noor increases, increases until a person becomes a wadi of Allah. So the more nur a person will have, then that is how much more a wali a person is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A wali just means to be close to Allah, a close associate, a friend in a sense. Uh, a friend in the sense of, not in the worldly sense of buddies and things of that nature, but a friend in the sense that we're there, uh, He's there for you. As the Prophet وسلم, said to Ibn Abbas وسلم, uh, when he was sitting with him on, on the same animal, he said, يحفظ you be mindful of allah and allah will be mindful of you tajidhu <laughs> be mindful of allah and you will actually find him in front of you clearly you're not going to see him but you'll find him in front of you which means that you will see his effects in front of you you will see his assistance his defense his uh, his light whatever it is however that's manifested allah has everything okay. at his disposal so the one who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not placed any nur for then he has no other noor, there is no other way to get noor. So we're going to look at this, uh, 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 this verse in the light of where we are. So clearly the light we have, iman we have. But then we're not getting beyond our iman. This is why we're here. We're not moving ahead, we're, we're, we're struggling. We hear the stories of these great pious individuals and we just can't seem to come close because we're fine for a few days, we're fine during Ramadan, we're fine when we go for hajj. And then suddenly we start losing it. As soon as you start normal daily routine, your heart starts to take on the effects of the dunya again. Um, clear experience from hajj. You're in hajj, and you're not seeing any non-Muslims, you're not seeing any haram. You know, you know, To do haram, you really have to go out of your way to do haram. Uh, but then you come back and it's around you, so then you get influenced by that. And then it, the, the heart starts to react to that in that same kind of way. SubhanAllah. Then Ibn Ata'illah says, But then how is your heart? So, based on that verse, he's saying, How is a heart going to be illumined? When it has the forms, Suwarul Akwan. Akwan means the plural of Kaun, beings. (coughs) Akwan is beings. Different, everything's a being, including us and everything else. So, when beings are in our heart, when other creatures are in our heart, what it means by creatures being in our heart is that. Our heart reflects what's inside it, what we think about, what we're concerned about, what our worry is, what our whole goal and ambition is in life. So one is something we declare, but the other is what we actually do with our heart. We all declare to be faithful, we all declare to be close to Allah, wanting to be close to Allah, but our heart doesn't sometimes follow because it's not prepared for that yet. So then how can a he says Keith, how can a heart become illumined when the forms of other creatures are, are fixed and are reflected on its mirrors. So that's maybe wealth, certain positions in life, certain companies we may want to work for. Um, which again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to work for a company as long as that doesn't become your main objective of life. As long as the objective is something else, I want to work for this company, so one is I want to work for that company because of the prestige it will bring me and you know, the, how I will look like in front of others. Another way to think about that is I want to work for that company so that I get enough prestige and respect so that I can give better da'wah maybe. I want to get a PhD so that people take me more seriously. I want to have more money so that I can have more, more power to help people. So you're getting the same thing. You're getting the same thing, but your perspective is different. So what's in your heart is not that job, but it's what's beyond that job. The people with short-sightedness, they only look at the immediate. The people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given wisdom and barakah, they will look beyond it and they'll have what the other person has or what the other person wants, but they'll have more barakah because their perspective is something much further away. And our perspectives have to be like that because we're not limited to this world. So anybody whose perspective is only this world, then they're fooling themselves because we know there's more to it than this world. So our perspective has to extend to that world. In everything we do, we should be thinking about how it's going to impact the hereafter. Then we're clever. And even in from a worldly sense, somebody who thinks only for tomorrow is not as intelligent as somebody who thinks for 10 years, somebody who thinks for 50 years. Uh, I was sitting in a in a gathering, of uh, psychologists and the, the teacher actually, he said once he ended up in Ireland, and he saw these guys from India down there, Hindus from India, down the road. This was when the war was going on, uh, you know, 20 years ago, IRA, and he goes, what's this guys from India doing here? So his partner, he said, oh, I actually just spoke to them yesterday, they're coming and they're buying up all of these houses. They're buying up all of these houses here that are selling for five, ten thousand pounds because nobody wants to live here. Like, they're buying them. They're going to bank them, and after 30 years, when all of this stops, this is nature of the world. You know, the nature of the world is like that. Unfortunately, Afghanistan has been going on for a ver- much longer than that. But still, it's the nature of the world that like, generally things move around. <laughs> then they'll cash out on those houses. They'll sit with them. For th- uh, they're waiting. They're willing to sit with them for 30 years, 40 years if it takes them. How far are they thinking for the world? How far are they thinking? And there's nothing wrong with thinking like that for the world as long as you're not cheating, deceiving anybody. But we've got even beyond that to think. We're not going to just turn to dust. After that, there's going to be a revival, a resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection. So we believe in that life and we believe that to be even more important than this life. So the one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that realization of that life to will be the most successful person. When that becomes a reality, and I don't know, people have probably had this experience, but the older you get and you're trying, you do sometimes get the sparks of that life in the sense that that is the most important thing. That realization, if only it stayed for longer, at weak moments in our life, when we feel our vulnerability, when we sense our mortality, we are going to die one day then you start thinking about that but sometimes it's only for that moment and the one who are blessed with the light of Allah, they'll always be thinking about that because that's, uh, that, that's what he mentions أَكْثَرُهُمْ إِسْتِعْدَادًا لِلْمَوْتِ but the most fortunate one is the one who is most abundantly pre- in preparation for his death and what is to come because that becomes a reality until that doesn't become a reality then this world is just normal this world is just normal, that's what we do. So we ask Allah to give us the understanding of the hereafter, making a a reality in our sight so that our life then changes because then the life takes an absolutely new meaning then your intentions start becoming correct. In fact that's probably the only way to correct your intention. You can be told about intentions having to be correct, having sincerity, but when you're so attached to this world, sincerity is very difficult. You may verbally say, I want sincerity. And in some things you may be able to do that, but the deeper things are more complex and it's very difficult to have sense. Uh, I could never understand this before. I thought it was But that's why they say you have to go to the Mashaykh to learn the sincerity. I used to always wonder about that. But the way the the reason you'll get it there is because that's what they talk about. Who else talks about that level of sincerity? And where the whole focus is on that topic. So once you start focusing on the hereafter your sincerity will increase. And that's why the Sahaba sincerity was like none other. That's why for them to even donate a small handful in the path of Allah was worth more than our donating a big masjid in the path of Allah. Because their level of sincerity, the meaning with which they did it, the, 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 the whole story of why they're doing it is a totally different story for us. So the more nur a person has and the more other things Allah, uh, the person takes out, you'll achieve the same thing in this world. But you'll achieve it for the right reason. And how beautiful is that? To get the same thing, to have the same amount of money, to drive the same cars as somebody who's just for the world. But you're driving and you've you got the akhira insha'Allah as well. Remember this is a, a different perspective to the zuhud perspective. Sufism in general what I mean by that is people who've been focusing on the hereafter have gone through a number of different uh, types of focuses so there is the Sufism of asceticism which was the initial one like Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, Abu al al all of these it was just about cutting away from the world I try to say that to somebody today it is much more difficult it's virtually impossible for most people to do that especially in this country so we don't talk about that anymore because that's a hard battle to fight the dunya we're, we're living in the dunya there's just no way you'd escape that especially in the West this is the fitna to Sarrah. this is the challenge of prosperity that we're dealing with today so that's why many of the mashaykh and this is what it is it's live in this world but be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps us and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam showed both ways though he preferred the zuhud way he showed both ways though in the sense that he brought expensive things. He did eat some expensive foods when it was there. But then mostly he decided not to. And his dua was, Oh Allah, gather me among the masakin," Because it's an easier path. It's an easier path in the hereafter where it matters. Though it's more difficult in this world to live like that. But of course we like ease in this world, so we do the other way. Hopefully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... I mean, it's when you have to fill in a tax form, right it's the same thing if you only make 7,000 a year or 9,000 a year you simply just fill in one type of income 9,000 finish no tax nothing everything else na 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 but you've got shares you've got a property you've got this you've got all of these different things then you've got to fill in all of that provide proof for it and make sure you're recording it right otherwise it'll come and check and get you in trouble so it gets more complicated. I think this whole tax system is developed to tell us about the hereafter. That this is the kind of scrutiny you're going to have, subhanallah, subhanallah. Whereas here, we might even be able to trick them by really hiding something and not declaring something and doing it properly. But in the hereafter, that's absolutely not the possibility. So that's why the masakin are going to have it easy, but nothing to show. Here it is, this is what it is. So. How do we live in this world and do what we're doing, inshaAllah, as long as we avoid the haram, do the halal, enjoy the barakat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us? This has been the narrative of many of the Sufis. This has been the narrative of many of the later Sufis. In fact, uh, according to the Tijanis, they, they, they're saying the, the way to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is through shukr. You've got what you have, do shukr of it. But shukr is a very complex way of doing shukr. If you've got shukr, then you're not going to use your wealth in haram and be honest i mean think about it to commit any haram you have to spend money that money comes from allah subhanahu wa taala so if you look allah is giving me money and i'm spending that in his disobedience what a blasphemy that's why one of the uh, one of the more prominent duas in Hassan basri's 670 uh, dua collection is oh allah i seek your refuge from uh, i seek your forgiveness from all of those sins that i committed using the money you gave me what a blasphemy subhanallah But Allah is so clement, Allah is so forbearing that He forgives us these things He overlooks them He doesn't seize us straight away He doesn't see us straight away for that So for our hearts to be for our hearts to be illumined and to become more nur more munawwar so that we can get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're gonna have to polish our hearts I don't <coughs> know if you've ever seen any plating, gold plating, silver plating, or copper plating, or anything else that's done. The way they do it is they first have that the vessel, the pot, the surface has to be fully cleaned. There can't be a speck of dirt on it. So they really polish it, polish it first to remove all the dirt. In fact, it takes longer to clean it if it's dirty. It takes longer to clean it first, and then the polish will just come right over really easy they just have to melt a bit and then just totally flow over very easily but if it has dirt and everything it just won't be proper so the noor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to polish our hearts as the Prophet Muhammad said the polishing of the heart is not going to happen when we got things. it's going to be uneven so it's not going to be full if there's even any space in there to start with if, the, if there's too many forms of other creatures it's not going to happen That's why then when a person's heart is not illumined, they can't have tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you can't have tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tawakkul is the antithesis to depression. If you think about it, depression and tawakkul are on opposing ends. The only time you'll have depression is if you've got a lack of tawakkul. The more lack of tawakkul you have, the more depression you are prone to having because when you rely on Allah and you know everything comes from Allah then why should there be any depression anything happens in your life oh Allah knows what's going on this is a kind of a test or this is this or this is... you're going to be able to deal with it in the right way when you don't have tawakkul then there's going to generally depression comes from a loss of something not from having too much well too much of a negative thing maybe but not having too much of a positive thing it's a less of it i got no money i've got uh, diseases I've got illnesses. I'm losing my job. Uh, I'm losing promotions. I'm getting accidents. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. All of that is what leads to depression. And the more darker the heart is, the more this will negatively impact us. Because there's no tawakkul. The more tawakkul you have, you know how to deal with it. It's a setback. Okay, halas, it's a setback. The World is full of these setbacks. <coughs> this is the way Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala may raise elo. Al- or maybe He's teaching me a lesson because of some s- s- deed I did before. We're going to know how to deal with this. It's going to make us reflect. And if it causes us to do tawbah, I mean, how great is that? Right? So if a calamity makes us do tawbah, beautiful. And then beyond that, if it makes us get closer to Allah, oh, he wants to raise my status, we just feel closer to him that, oh, Allah, is he gave that to the prophets, he's uh, tested the prophets, he's testing us as well. So suddenly, you just suddenly increase in that. So, that's the way mutawakkireen, the awliya of Allah will deal with calamities. Everybody has calamities in this world. It's just some people know how to deal with them, some people don't know how to deal with them. That is the major difference because it's the Noor that helps. Do you have the fortitude to deal with it? Do you have the Do you have the heart to deal with it? It's that. It's courage. It's courage in a sense, in a, in a spiritual sense, to deal with it or being cowardly. If there's no Tawakkul, you will be cowardly, and if you uh, if you have Tawakkul and the Noor of Allah, then you will have the courage. Uh, the bravery to, to to be able to deal with it So our whole perspective in life is to Try to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Have the noor fully in our heart And the way to do that is to Shift our attentions away from those things Which are occupying our heart that are incorrect That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says You can't have two hearts in Allah hasn't placed two hearts in anybody Any man's uh, inside, now it's kind of very interesting that generally hearts are associated with the chests, as Allah says, "Al Latif is Sudur." But in this case, he said "Jawf." Jauf means the inner, inner hollow, the inner part of the body. The reason is that, and he also said "Men" here, whereas generally he would leave it general. The reason he said "Men" here is because uh, women sometimes do have two hearts in their body, not their own hearts but their child's heart, right in their body, but it, the point is the same. Nobody has for themselves two hearts, so you can't have, you know, put a, a partition in your heart. This is for my dunya and this is for my akhirah. Your, uh, your, uh, the, the best way to do it is to do your dunya through your akhirah and let it be for your akhirah. That is very important. So do what you have to do in this world, but the focus make that right, and you'll see more baraka in the dunyari aspect because it's coked in the akhirawi aspect of it. That is very important. So you're doing dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now that is trying to purify the heart. Now if we've left all the dunya, if we've left thinking about the dunya and pursuit of the dunya for the dunya, right? so it's pursuit for the dunya for the akhirah is fine. But pursuit for the dunya for the dunya is problematic. Right? So if we've left pursuit of the dunya for the dunya and then we're doing dhikr, then it will push that, the dunya from the previous life out. It will start purifying it. But we're doing dhikr alhamdulillah, you know, you're doing muraqaba, you're doing this and that. But then at the same time, we're also continuing our attachment of the world. So now there's a, there's a, there's a war raging inside. Now what's going to dominate? Do we do more dhikr than pursuit of the dunya? Or do we do more pursuit of the dunya than, than the dhikr we do? Yes, if you're doing five hours of dhikr a day and you're still doing dunya, you'll probably still win. Because mashallah, five hours of dhikr is, you know, with concentration, is very powerful. But if we're doing ten minutes of dhikr, and our salat isn't counted as dhikr because we got no concentration in it, right, we're not there yet, and the dunya is just going to envelop us, that's, that, is the, that is the challenge that we're talking about. That's, that's the reality that's going on inside our heart. We just can't feel it. We just feel the effects of it outside. لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ سَقَالَةٌ Everything has a polish. Was This is what's mentioned in the hadith. So you can do the dhikr, but you have to stop the world. You have to change your perspective on the world. Then that dhikr will become a polish. Otherwise, it's too. We're doing evil on one. We're going to the masjid, then we're going to the club afterwards. Or the other way around. But generally, you spend more time in a club than the masjid. Masjid is 10 minutes. SubhanAllah. The reason we've close this door is because it gets too cold alright it's it's closed but it's a bit stuffy but if we open it it's going to be colder than it is stuffy so that's the choice we've made right now right the other thing about living on a main road like this is that you open the windows you open the doors and you're gonna you, you get a lot of dust um, you get dust everywhere, but I think on this or, on this sort because it's such a movement, you get more dust, I think. So now we'll close the window to dust when we don't need it or to the cold. It's only dust. It's not going to be any more than that. In fact, the other day, I don't know, just before Hajj, there was uh, one day it rained like in the middle of the day, very strongly, and it hailed as well, and I was it was after Juma, I think, right? and I was outside. And I'd left my window open, uh, like mm-hmm. off the hook and open. When I came back, the hail was up to here from that window. And the water and the hail was up to there, and uh, it was quite scary, you know. Because if the, the good job, the computer, which was on, was under the table. Otherwise, that would have been wet, and I don't know, it could have been much worse on my work. But alhamdulillah So you close the door to avoid the dust. You close the window to avoid the dust. In the body we have four ways that dust gets in if not more than dust minimally dust the eyes the ears the tongue and the thought process these are four ways that our heart is influenced and the minimal influence is the dust that comes in from our eyes it's going to have a dusting of haram on our hearts if if not a full blood effect we're just taking the minimal. So now, just as we close the window, the dust <coughs> coming in. Then we need to shut the avenues of this dust settling in our hearts. So, if we keep a focus on our hearts, then all of these things will stay in focus. For men generally, their problem is the eyes more than for women. Women also have problems with their eyes. Uh, those who like window shopping the new bag the new this any woman's got a new bag you know and every woman is carrying a Louis Vuitton bag these days right so everybody wants one now right? for men it's a different thing you got much more variety as a big fitna because everything is a fitna even though you can't have something, you still want it at least for women they can buy that bag they just have to save up a bit maybe but for men they can't have what they want it's a different fitna it's a more challenging fitna it's a more wasteful fitna because you can't even get what you want Right? you have hundreds of different Harams, you're committing, in a, we're committing in a day, and you can't have all of those, so it's more absurd. So, women have a different fitna. So, men's fitna is generally with the eyes, the ears, uh, they're both uh, probably the same. And when it comes to the tongue, it's debatable who's, who's worse in that case. But then, the thought process uh, generally, the ulama mentioned that the, the women are more in that because they think about these negative thoughts more than men do. Because men generally have to be occupied with different things. Unless a person is perverted in their mind, then that's an exceptional issue. But there's a lot, of, a lot more jealousy when it comes in women of each other, right? And that kind of a greed and just a lot more they think more about it because they're more emotional, right? This doesn't mean that when men don't have that problem. It's just generally we're just trying to highlight where the bigger problem lies for them. So these four doors have to be closed so that the dirt from them doesn't settle in the heart. If it doesn't, it, we know when we look at uh, when our eyes fall on something. Even in Hajj, it's the case. You got men and women in the haram you know. And the, the, you're gonna you're gonna glance at a woman. You just have to immediately glance away. That's the test of it. It helps you being in that pure atmosphere. There's just less shaitani influence, right? And it's not as bad as what you see in London, you know. For men, I'm saying, right? So, as soon as you see something coming, your eyes should be close to it. So we need to divert, so that the dust doesn't come in and settle. We've blocked it, we see the dust coming, we've just closed the door. Avoid the gaze. So we need to do that, so that the dust doesn't settle in the heart. Once dust settles in the heart, now I've got a bit of dust maybe on top of there, I clean it up. It doesn't make too much of a mess, does it? It can easily wipe it up. But if you carry on, let dust settle and settle, then it becomes hard, then it becomes dark. Have you seen that? Dust becomes dark, then the cloth that you use becomes dark, you need actually some spray afterwards to get rid of it. So now, (coughs) just imagine where we are now, all of us who are doing vicar, and we're feeling that it's not having the effect that we generally hear about. Well, you know, you can't just kind of get a cloth and just pass it over, we need to use more than that. So it's going to take a while if we haven't done vicar for a long time. Or if our crimes have been big, then it's going to take a bit longer but it doesn't mean it's not doing anything every cloth that you wipe over there it's going to make a difference it's just if you use a specific type of spray it's going to be faster if you try to you just use water it's not going to remove it but when you get some chemicals it's going to make a difference so that's why they say different dhikr's will help your salat does help every salat does help but because the concentration in our salat is not there, it's not having the same impact. It's just like a, a cloth going over the top, but it's not enough to remove the hard stains that are there. And then you've got the verbal zikr that is very effective. You get reward for doing so. But then you've got the heart zikr, which is attacking it directly. That's like an intravenous. That's why they say the muraqabah is so powerful, and that's why it's the most difficult out of all the ma'amulat that you do. It's the most difficult. You can sit and do tasbih 100 tasbih is no problem. 100 is tighfar, no problem. 100 uh, salawat, and even read Quran, no problem. But try to sit and concentrate for ten minutes on your muraqabah and that is more difficult. And anybody who's mastered the muraqabah, that's when you'll see that they'll master everything else as well. So it's to co- close the door and to clean up what's inside and keep the door closed so that more is not more is not happening. The easiest way, the easiest way to sort this matter out, is the heart. The heart is something which loves to be associated with something. It's the nature of the heart You can't say I don't want you to be associated with anything. You have to give it a friend. You have to give it something to and If it's the wrong thing, then it's going to be the wrong thing. That's why I get the heart connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> and then You will see that everything else will eventually diminish because the heart needs a friend and give it the right friend then all others will diminish we're not giving our heart, we're intellectually yeah, just out, outwardly we're giving it the wrong things to indulge in so give it the heart and then you will notice that it will have a big difference <laughs> For Allah is the pure deen that is the pure deen is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the root of all enhancement is to have the heart associated with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then the fikr of the Akhirah will come when that happens your body our body and our heart will actually the heart is very powerful people with certain allergies they can tell I've got a nephew who Apparently, can tell if there's egg in food bef- without even tasting it. Saying, no, that's got egg. I come nothing into. Right? He mostly gets it right as well. I think he may get it wrong sometimes. I don't know, but because he doesn't, he doesn't like egg. So he's got such an aversion that he can kind of like just tell it's in there or something, right? something weird like that. So if that can happen with people like that, then there are many stories about people who can smell haram. For example, there's uh, one of the great pious uh, individuals of the Indian subcontinent, Mirza um, Mazhar Jan Jan. His name is. Once he, somebody brought him some grapes. Generally, people bring him something, he eats it. But this time, he refused to eat these grapes. Why not? Because after somebody insisted, he said, "I smell corpses. I smell corpses from these grapes." dead people from this grapes. now what dead people association with these grapes now this person was one of the khadim's one of the people who are close to him he knew that there's something more than it's not just an arbitrary statement he's making so he went and found out where he got the grapes from so the person he bought the grapes off the person in the market whoever he was i said where'd you get your grapes from he said oh i buy from such and such a supplier so he went to that guy for a supplier he says, "Where'd you know? where you get your grapes?" He goes, "Oh, I grow them." He says, "Yes, but you know there must be something more to it than that." He says, uh, "This is what the sheikh said, or this is he mentioned something, and it came out that this person was using the public graveyard land to grow his grapes in illegally. So he's in haram land, is growing it, and the sheikh is smelling the corpses from there, and he is refusing to eat it." one of the scholars of the past Sultanul ulama Izzuddin Ibn Salam, once he was brought a gift by one of his friends who used to live one of uh, a close associate of his who used to live outside the city he sent him a number of different things including some cheese with one of his uh, servants so as the servant is coming with all of this stuff he tripped and the cheese fell down Uh, we're not talking about cheddar cheese we're talking about you know the the generally the white uh, cheese that you know the feta cheese kind of style probably it fell down became all dirty and everything so he thought i can't take this so when he got into the city egypt in, into cairo he went to one of the local cheese uh, sellers and he bought some he's a christian cheese seller and he brought it from her right to replace what he had lost when he got to the sheikh he gave her everything the sheikh took everything except the cheese he says i can't have the cheese says, why can't you have the cheese he says i smell uh, I smell Nasraniyat from there, uh, Christianity from there. This can't be, you know, I just, I've just, just got an issue with that one. Right. And subhanAllah, it was so perfect. So uh, the body, Allah, you see, that it, it's perfectly It's mentioned in the hadith that uh, the more a person gets closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, first you have to follow the fara'id and you will get close to Allah. Then after that you continue as the Sahih hadith says, you get closer and closer. To Allah with the more dhikr that you do until he becomes the hands with which you touch the eyes with which you see and that you're divinely protected so then Allah will protect you you'll make less mistakes in this world right? so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that the two ways to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is kathratu dhikr wa ittiba'u sunnah abundant dhikr inside and as much sunnah practice in our behavior in our conduct, in our dress, in our outlook, and interaction with others, this is the way of success. The inside is being fortified by the dhikr, and the outside is being protected by our behavior, and we're a form of da'wah to others as well. The Prophet ﷺ, this the famous story the person who came to the Prophet, ﷺ, I feel like doing dhina, zina. And the Prophet ﷺ placed his hand on his chest and he said, allahu ghfir dhambahu wa ahsin farjahu. Allah forgive his sins and uh, make good uh, his his private parts and all the desire disappeared right so this is what you call what the mashaykh will call salbi tawajjub negat, negating uh, a negating outpouring that uh, the dua the prophet sallallahu made right managed to stop uh, take this desire out of his heart you if you have any harams, you don't tell the dunya. Just like you have a, something on your body, you don't show your aura to people. But just like you go to a doctor and you would have to show, I've got a spot here, or I've got this rash here, and you have to open up for that much for them to see and diagnose what the problem is. Likewise, this is the justification for telling the sheikh the specific things that is challenging you although it's haram to tell anybody else because you're not supposed to reveal your harams but this is done ilajan just like you're not supposed to show your awrah to anybody your 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 uh, hidden parts except to a doctor and again only to that amount so so that the sheikh can help suggest how to get it. otherwise it's just going to be general guidance if it's particular then the sheikh can direct that particular guidance to that and do du'a just like the Prophet ﷺ did du'a so that has that negating influence on there so he will eliminate it inshallah <coughs> one of the shiuk said that the best way to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like this is through buka and tafakkur which means by crying and just contemplating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. that's your muraqabah it's part of the fikr of your muraqabah to do that and generally for the men it's more difficult but there's a nice statement in, Ur- in Urdu, it says that Now the sharia applies to that person hopefully everybody understands Urdu but basically when a person has a wet dream has an ejaculation then he becomes balig, now he becomes responsible and accountable and he has to make his salat, he's going to be accountable and then he says probably applies a bit more to men than women but when a person comes out of his sexual thoughts, then he will become a mature in terms of, in terms of the tariqah. He will become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that's one of our biggest challenges. We want to work so, so hard on our heart that not only do we stop doing sins, which is the first stage, but how beautiful will it be that we stop thinking about sins? How beautiful it will be if we stop thinking, then it's not even a challenge anymore. It's not even a challenge. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a bi Allah illa Oh Allah accept our du'as. Oh Allah accept our dhikr. Oh Allah, grant us the sweetness and halawa in our remembrance. Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us sweetness and halawa in our salat, in our reading of the Quran. Oh Allah, in our remembrance of You. Oh Allah, allow your remembrance to come from every part of our body. Oh Allah, allow it to infuse every part of our body. Oh Allah, purify our hearts. Oh Allah, oh Allah, at the same time that we do dhikr, we also allow other things to corrupt our heart. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow us... And help us to protect our heart from the harams, to shut the doors from our eyes and our ears and our throats. And oh Allah and from what we eat, O oh Allah grant us the halal. Oh Allah, grant us the halal. Oh Allah, suffice us with the halal away from the haram. Oh Allah. Allah allow us to be only in need of you and independent of everyone else. Oh Allah. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us a true understanding of the nature of this world. Oh Allah, that you give us the true True intentions that we need to have and the true perspectives and objectives we need to have. Oh Allah, allow us to make you our objective. Oh Allah, allow us to make you our objective. Oh Allah, this is something we claim and we want and we desire and we verbally express. Oh Allah, allow us to internalize it. Allow our heart to follow what we say about you. Oh Allah, allow our hearts to follow what we say about you. Oh Allah, otherwise we're hypocrites. Oh Allah, we're doing things outside, we're saying things, we're verbally expressing things. But our heart desires different. O oh Allah, we allow indulgence of our heart. Oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you allow our hearts to follow and to connect with you. To connect with you and to be fully for you. Oh Allah, we ask that you polish, polish our hearts. To allow all the negative influences to be removed totally. Oh Allah, the years and years of sins. Oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us from every sin that we have committed using the same wealth that you have given us. Oh Allah, that is such a blasphemy. You're so clement that you've, you've overlooked that and you haven't seized this for him. But that made us even bolder and we did it again. And then we did it again. Oh Allah, oh Allah, it's only because of your mercy that you did not seize us straight away and punish us. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us for all sins that we've done in the openness of daylight, in the darknesses of night, those we've considered insignificant and those we've considered to be grave but still did. O Allah, there are sins that we've committed knowing they're wrong and knowing how much wrong we're doing. O Allah, O Allah. We ask that you assist us in this world because we're nothing without your assistance. We ask for your tawfiq. We ask you not to ever forsake us. O Allah, we ask that you make us of those who an'amta alayhim, those you've showered your bounties upon and not those who've gone astray or your anger showered upon. O Allah, we ask that you make us of your close servants. O Allah, O Allah, there is no There is no limitation in your treasures. There is no limitation in your generosity in what you can give. Oh Allah, there's enough room for us to be among your pious ones as well. And in Jannah to offer those. We ask you for the highest levels of Jannah. The highest levels of Jannah. The highest levels of Jannah. Oh Allah, make our actions in accordance to them. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, allow us to continue to remember you and continue to thank you with everything that we do in this world. Keep the harams out of our life. Allow us to fulfill our obligations and our additional mustahabbat and recommendations <laughs> allow us to be true believers help our Muslim sisters and brothers around the world O oh Allah, assist them in their time and oh Allah, <inaudible> O Allah, elevate your karima la ilaha illallah elevate <inaudible> your karima la ilaha illallah allow us to be a means of other people also remembering you and elevating the karima la ilaha illallah O oh Allah, give us tawfiq and make it easy for us to do our daily regimen of our afkar and our muraqaba and our salats and our reading of the quran and our behavior O oh allah O oh allah we ask that you accept us you accept you accept us and you send your abundant blessings on our messenger muhammad so, alayhi wasallam, alayhi wasallam. and grant us his company in the hereafter Subhanahu wa anna